0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. What are the two hallmarks, evidences of the life of God in a person? It's one thing to have religion and that religion manifests itself in the rules we keep, the things we do, special days, and regular participation in certain types of activities, engaging in prayer. The gospel presents a a human being's relationship with God not in terms of a discipline of the practice of rituals or activities of this sort only, a discipline of of prayer, participation in church, uh, time with God may all be there. The real evidence of knowing the living and true God is a changed life. The gospel, the good news of salvation, as described, and explained in the New Testament, comes not only with just a pacifying, satisfying, peace-giving message that settles our mind, it also comes with a true dynamic, a true power. And that power is God himself entering into our life, coming into a life and experience, and becoming really engaged with us through His Spirit. The New Testament declares that coming to Christ is by putting one's faith in Jesus Christ, that He is the Savior, that He is the Son of God, and that He died and rose again for sinners. And the one who comes to Christ acknowledged that it was was for him or her that Christ had died and that he rose again, and he will come again. But when I put my faith in Christ, what God did is also to put his seal on me, that I belong to God, that I belong to Christ. And that mark or that seal that God places on every believer who has turned to Christ in faith is God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing message of the New Testament. God gives His Spirit freely as a mark of belonging to God and also as a dynamic, as a means of power for transformation of the hearts and souls of those who come to Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this presence of the Spirit is very clear in the New Testament, produces a change. So even in the epistle to the Galatians, which we are now going through, the Apostle Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, That the fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things which are produced by the Spirit in the life of a Christian. In the first century, when the apostles were preaching the gospel, there were also other evident outward manifestations, such as speaking in unknown tongues. And in the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 2, the author says that this was a means whereby God authenticated, that is, he assured the power, the source of the power, and the truthfulness of the message of those who are proclaiming this new message in the world, that salvation is through Christ, that Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven, became a man, died for sinners, and rose again, ascended to heaven, and will come back. And this new message, all centered on the person of Jesus Christ, was being authenticated, validated, confirmed, by God himself, through the extraordinary phenomena that accompanied the proclamation of it in the lives and experiences of those who turned to God. In addition, God did signs and wonders through the apostles, including healing, even raising the dead, and other signs. And these were also additional authentications. And this would have accompanied the apostles on their journeys in which they went to new towns and proclaimed the gospel in, in parts of turkey western turkey and in europe in macedonia in greece particularly for the apostle paul and his companion barnabas so now when the apostle paul is challenging uh, believers who had turned to christ and the new me- by receiving the new message when he proclaimed it but have now come under the influence of false teaching where they have distorted the gospel by adding their own religious work somehow to be meritorious to secure greater favor with God or sufficient favor with God, as if what Christ gave by his own goodness being put to our account was not enough. Then he asked them, Think about your own experience when you turn to God. You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you do that by the works of various laws or even the law of God? Rules and regulations of religion? Is that how you got it? Or did you get it by faith when you put your trust in Christ? Is that what gave you the Spirit Or keeping all these religious rules, is that what gave you the Spirit? The obvious, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious. They had received the Spirit through faith. Now think about this. What greater thing does one stand to receive from God than God Himself in the person of His Spirit? The Spirit of God is the ultimate gift, the most supreme gift, is the greatest of blessing. God Himself has come into your life. So if... This is where they began, if this is what they started with. Paul asks them this in Galatians 3, 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer, obviously, we received the Spirit when we heard the message of the gospel and received it in faith. So... He now asks them, are you so foolish? Galatians 3.3 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? There are some uh, usages of the Apostle Paul that one uh, would be helped by paying careful attention to that he uses certain words with his own kind of special nuance. So one of those words is this word flesh. The true source of power in the life of one who has come to the living God is God himself through God's spirit who is given to us upon faith. The spirit is the true dynamic, the The source of power behind our life change, the change of our thinking, the change of our heart, the change of our desire, the change of our, ultimately the change of our behavior. So the true power is connected with spirit and what we are in ourselves, in our sinful state, in weakness, under the bondage of sin, Paul connects with the flesh. This is what we are in our Adamic natural state. This is what I am simply as born as a human being in a fallen nature that I have inherited from our first ancestor, Adam, who disobeyed God and lost the privilege understanding, the standing and the innocence that he had and became fallen. So we all start in the flesh and when you come we come to Christ we have come into the experience of the spirit so we move from the flesh and its weakness to the spirit and his power but when one goes back away from Christ back to saying okay i'm going to improve myself and get a better standing with god by virtue of oh things like circumcision observing special feasts and festivals abstaining from particular kinds of foods. Those seem so inferior. They really have nothing to do with any true life of God in the heart and life of the person who has come to God. So that is really resorting to the efforts of our weakness, merely external things of human ability. So when... People wanted to add the works of the law to the gospel as somehow improving it, they were in fact taking away the power of the gospel and reducing the gospel to something other than the good news of salvation. And so here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, the Apostle Paul asks his listeners, his readers, Are you so foolish? He says, if you receive the Spirit by the hearing With faith, if you heard the good news of salvation and received it and God gave you His Spirit and this is how you began in the new life, why are you turning back to that which is inherently weak? Why are you turning to the flesh? Can you, in fact, start in the Spirit and be perfected in the flesh? It's a good question. Good question. Sadly enough, many Christians are still under the deception of the Galatian heresy. It is like they were bewitched by this falsehood. So many generations of Christians are bewitched by this falsehood. We not only believe in Christ, but we think we are somehow better because we are also doing these other things. There are many good things to be done by those who have come to know God. But they don't make us any more saved. They are not making us any more righteous than we are already in Christ. Christ has already given me the mantle, the robe of perfection. Nothing I do could contribute to it to improve it because it is already the perfect thing. And least of all, the measly works of external religion. Now, clearly, if, now we know, for example, Paul practiced aspects of religion like, you know, he apparently had a very regular discipline of prayer. But Paul is not praying to improve his standing with God. Prayer is the expression of the real relationship he has with his creator and God and Savior. And it's the expression of that fellowship and coming to God with petitions, talking to God to get answers to his needs, direction, wisdom. He's praying on behalf of other people that God would work, would work in their life and circumstances. Paul fasted sometimes. That's because he was setting himself apart, seeking God earnestly for God's guidance, direction in some task that was before him. He was not doing those things to improve his standing before God. When you come to Christ by faith, receive Him as your Savior We start with the perfection given to us by virtue of who Christ is. You cannot improve upon it, cannot add to it by our so many works of religion. And that is essential to understand. We shouldn't be foolish. By having begun in the spirit, we cannot be perfected by the flesh. The flesh is inferior. And we must not think of any of our outward works improving our standing with God beyond what Christ imparts to us by virtue of who He is and what He has done. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.